episode 194 of the All the Books show, recorded at... <gasps> no! Ooh. Normally recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library, but this time recorded at my house. At Eric's house. Yeah. And, and the address is... side room. Can I get the address? No. Okay. Yeah, we're in Eric's... Den? Are we calling it a den? I don't really call it anything. You don't call it I anything. just call it the side room. Side room. Because it's... We're a... in Eric's side room. Mm-hmm. A lot of magic happens in this side room. Yeah. Uh, guinea pig magic. Yeah. Uh... Guinea pig magic sounds like a like a cleaning device. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like nice. you put it in the guinea pig cage and it like ruins everything. Oh my goodness. I would love that. Would you? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, maybe I invented something. Anyway, I'm Nick Gunning. I'm Eric Mickles. And here we are in Eric's house. Yeah, we talk book news, author news, and literary news. Yeah. Today, we're going to do a deep dive into the 1982 novel, Battlefield Earth. Oh boy. By one L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. So we can this get is in. Nick's fault. We, it is. I we guess can, it's my we fault. We can get into the who's and why's of why <laughs> we're talking about this during the spotlight. Yeah. That's what we're going to be talking about because I read all one thousand pages. Oh my word! Of Battlefield Earth. All right, let's do it. Let's open up the old books. Check on the bookmarks. Mm-hmm. See what we've been up to. Okay. You want to go first? You want me to? I can go first because I have read absolutely nothing. Oh, no. Yeah. It has been a busy week. You have a podcast guy. coming out every 15 minutes now? Is that correct? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. Um, no, I, I looked. I'm like, I had to at least read a comic. No. You didn't? No, I didn't read anything. That's sad. You're sad. Oh, sorry. I mean, it's not sad. Good for you. <laughs> uh, I grabbed a copy of Neuromancer, though, take back so tonight. I can reread oh, it. Oh, William Gibson's yeah. Neuromancer for our yeah. sci-fi book club. Yeah. All right. Here are some things that what? I finished. I saw Detective Pikachu, though. I just saw Detective Pikachu, too. Let's do this. Hmm. Go on. All right. You know what? Uh-huh. I was at the Chuckle Corral, and the guy was like, on our first screen, Detective uh, Pokemon. And we were oh, like, oh, boy. no. Yeah. It's not that. Yeah. Thought um, I lost my wallet? Didn't. Yeah. Okay. Found it. Yeah. yeah. As I was watching it, I was like, boy, if I knew anything about these Pokemon that kept, like, popping up, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, oh, there's the one who does that thing he's doing, mm-hmm. and I would have liked it. But as is, I didn't really, I don't know, I, I was a little a little underwhelmed. I was mm-hmm. a little bored by okay. it. I don't think there's enough for somebody who knows nothing about Pokemon to go into mm. and watch it. But okay. what do I know? I liked it. I'm glad. I had a good time. I I'm saw glad. Charizard, yeah. which makes me happy. My son fell asleep. I was definitely... Um, kind of like I knew what I was going to see when I went in there but I was still kind of like holy crap when they were just the city and they're just Pokemon Pokemon walking around like that's it they've done it they built the Pokemon city I like Justice Smith for the most part I liked Ryan Reynolds for the most part. I felt like he wasn't I was afraid he was going to be Deadpool playing Pikachu but he seems pretty uh pretty low key but I sort of feel like he does need a little bit of a change from I felt like there was more heart in his performance oh yeah there was more heart but I think like he's He's really like shoehorning himself into this like snarky role. Yeah, I without think he did any that back kind in of no, I know, but he used to he used to like deviate from that every now and then. But now it's just like joke machine kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, not everybody saw life. If you wanted, to... I did see life. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. What's oh what's very that one? upsetting? Did, movie? did we watch Safe House together? Yes. Okay, yeah, so we did. did see Safe House. With... Yeah. Denzel Washington yeah. and Ryan Reynolds. Yes, we That's did. an odd pairing. It is. Yeah. So Denzel probably was slumming it for that, I probably. guess. Or Ryan yeah. Reynolds just got lucky. I guess. So, was that good? It wasn't very good, Safe was house? it? You know what one I kind of like mm-hmm. uh, is Chris mm-hmm. Pine and Denzel. Unstoppable. Yeah. That's from that, like... Yeah. That like late two thousands. If I knew anything about trains though, then I probably would have cared. You probably. But you I was just have. like, I don't know what I'm looking at. You didn't at. know about the trains, and so it didn't so, work. It's for funny you. because my wife actually said about Detective Pikachu 
that she was kind of like, they keep saying all these things, but we know who they are. So, like, when Flareon's on screen, Pikachu's like, Flareon, nice. And she's like, we know who Flareon is. And I... Th- I don't. Yeah, I know. But I liked it, and I think if you're a little less grumpy than Nick about Pokemon... I wasn't grumpy about it. it, through it. So, I was excited to see it. I thought yeah. it was going to be, like, funny. I loved all the previews. I've even played Pokemon Sun mm-hmm. with my son. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. They just didn't really do it for me. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. But... I don't begrudge anybody who likes it. Who likes Detective Pikachu or Pokemon yeah. Sun. I didn't think it was, like, bad. It just wasn't for me. All right. Well, there you go. Okay. Uh, we also saw Batman Forever, but we'll save that yeah. for a later date. All right. I haven't read anything. Go on. Okay. Uh, let's see. I finished a few things. Uh, let me take a look-see here. I finished Star Trek Seize the Fire, and I was not a fan. So... Several years back, Star Trek did this trilogy called uh, Destiny, Star Trek Destiny, and that was great. It encompassed, like, all of the next-gen era characters on different ships and different things going on. A huge event, very successful. I liked it a lot. This is part of the Typhon Pact, and I don't... I remember you talking about that. I don't like it. I don't like it so far. Mm -hmm. This was really just a Titan book. Right. Riker's ship, the Titan. Uh, It's not fun. It's like... The whole thing with Titan is the, that the characters are super diverse, which is good. You know, I'm not saying that's bad. It's just the way they make them diverse is in really kind of goofy ways. Like the uh, counselor on his ship mm-hmm. is described as a small blue teddy bear. Hmm. Uh, the engineer is basically an ostrich who has cybernetic implants to make him smart. Okay. The doctor is a velociraptor. Is this it's Star just, Wars? What's going on? That's what I'm saying. It's just too much. It's just too much. No. And you don't get like the characters that is you're this there Farscape? for. So I is wouldn't everybody have... a Muppet? It was called is it I think it's Typhoon. Typhoon Pack. Typhoon Pack Typhoon sees Pack. the fire. You know, if it would have just been like, guess what? This is a Titan novel. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have read it. But they kind of fooled me with the tie in. But anyway, wasn't for me. I read James Patterson and his co author. Do you have the co author there in front of you? I don't know what it is. Anyway. Uh, the Cornwalls are gone. It's James Patterson. Yes. And hold on, my laptop is so slow. Oh, okay. Give me a second. I could have kept talking. This while is you real did this, time. But yeah. Oh, All right. Okay. Uh, James Patterson and Brendan Dubois. Okay. Dubois. Uh, yeah. And the, here's the thing. I don't like it. I didn't like this book. Uh, I would have stopped reading it, but it was on audio, and I kept being in situations where I was like, oh, I can play a little bit of that book, or I mm-hmm. was driving or whatever. So I did end up finishing it. I don't know was just kind of paint my numbers. I didn't like it. Didn't do anything unique. The characters weren't really that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I would Did you not... say paint by numbers or paint my numbers? Paint by numbers. Paint by number. Paint my numbers. Sounds like a really funny, like romantic comedy. Oh yeah. So go on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was. I don't know. It was. It was formulaic and yeah. dumb, and that's usually kind of what you expect with James Patterson. But usually they're like action packed and kind of fun. James Patterson, the benefit of the doubt, more often than you do other authors, I find. Well, I guess because, like, there's just no pretense with James Patterson. He's like, hey, everybody, you want a stupid thriller? Here it is. You don't like this one? Wait two weeks. We were at Applebee's, and there was a commercial on during a, like, 4 or 5 p.m. repeat of Bones. Yeah. And it was James Patterson talking about, like, 18th Confession. Yeah. And it's just... I didn't know yeah. he needed that. James Patterson is sort of like Facebook. Like, why are you running ads? <laughs> That's Everyone true. knows yeah. you. Yeah. You don't have to do it. But I mean, I guess 5 p.m. bones, yeah. you probably know your audience That's there. That's true. That is so. true. James Our Patterson was a... The man himself was a recurring character on the show Castle. 
but is that true? It is true. Wow. I know. I also read Falcon Fight or Flight. This is one of the junior series that we have over yeah. in the in the not the young adult section, the junior series section. Yeah. Uh, it's written for probably the eight to twelve year old range. It mm-hmm. was about Sam Wilson, the Falcon, mm-hmm. uh, temporarily being in charge of the Avengers. I read yeah. it with my son. Looks like there's a lot of Ultrons on the cover. There are a lot of Ultrons. My son liked it. I thought the Avengers, to get their point across, acted like little tiny baby brats uh-huh. in a way that was just like, well, that's unbelievable. But sure. anyway, I read that. Uh, I'm currently, I'm still reading uh, Titan's Hunt, which is not grabbing me. And then I'm reading uh, I'm a Believer by Mickey Dolenz of the Monkees. Okay. And I got to tell you, it's a lot more what I was hoping the Nesmith autobiography so would be. So this is his, like, biography? Mickey's, yeah. Yes, Mickey's, Mickey's biography, but he's also talking about... He, he does talk about the monkeys. Yes, he does. Okay. He does. He's talked a lot about non-monkey things, but he's also talking about the monkeys themselves and, like, group dynamics within the monkeys. So it's fun. I like it. Okay. And I've seen Mickey a couple times in concerts and, you know, like, on interviews or whatever. Right. And the book is written in such a... It's so true to, like, the Mickey voice. Are it's you... kind of fun. Nick Gunning learning things about the monkeys. Yeah, really? actually, I don't know much about their uh, their eighties reunion. Oh. Like MTV started mm-hmm. airing the monkeys like nonstop because they just right. needed programming, and suddenly everybody was like crazy for the monkeys again. Mm-hmm. So Mickey and Peter recorded a couple of songs. Davy refused, and Nazareth <laughs> off, off doing something else. Right, and those were super popular. And then they did the album Pool It which sold pretty well mm-hmm. in the 80s. But then, like, basically, Davey didn't really want to do it, and so it all just kind of fell apart. But, okay. yeah, it was interesting. I didn't know much about that. So that was interesting, and I didn't know much about uh, Mickey's youth. All right. He did a three-season show called Circus Boy, mm-hmm. where he was, was a boy who boy? lived in a circus and huh. rode around on an elephant. All right. Because you read, you read, like, a Beatles book, like, once every other month. But no, what it's, is a, there, it's a common misconception. What is there to learn? I have not read very many Beatles books. You've read so many. I haven't. Compared to most people, you have read many Beatles books. I don't Beatles think so. Books. I don't think so. What is... I've only read one Beatles biography. Uh-huh. I've not read a Paul McCartney autobiography. Okay. I read one John Lennon biography. Uh-huh. And that's it. No, I read one called Revolver, about the book Revolver. Hmm. That's it. Okay. And this is only my second Monkeys book, and this is the first... To talk about the monkeys. Oh, there you go. All right. Uh, I guess that's it for me. Okay. Did I mention Batman Forever? Because I saw it. I don't know if I'm going to get to... I was started The Consuming Fire by John Scalzi. Yeah. But I haven't read it since I read the prologue. But now i got to read Neuromancer. Breaking news. What? My brother, Stephen uh-huh. Van Valkenburg, yeah. regular guest on the podcast, yeah. just let me know that Denny's is now serving crepes. So we should make a plan to go get crepes at Denny's. Huh. Are you in? I don't... You don't want to like crepes. It's a, they're very thin pancakes. Yeah. It's like a thin pancake. Wouldn't you Denny's. want a fluffier pancake? You could. You could go that <laughs> no, route. No, I know you could. Yeah. But wouldn't you want that? It's possible. Huh. You, you could. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Let's turn it over to the old New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, but not the hardcover fiction. Book news. This year. Why not? This year? Oh my gosh. What's going on with my brain today? Why aren't we doing the hardcover? It's it's the same as it's always been. Stagnant. And young adult as well. I, I looked at it and I'm like, we haven't done young adult in forever, but it's still the same. Yeah. But. In, in a crazy turn of events, yeah. the hardcover nonfiction oh. is not political. This Let's is, do it. It's not all politics. Let's get this party started. So, uh, looks like people wanted to, wanted to change a pace. Let's check it out. So, this is the New York Times bestsellers list for hardcover nonfiction. Well, and at I'm number, so excited. At number 10 is Bad Blood by John Carreru. The Rise and Fall of the Biotech Startup Theranos. Hmm. I don't know anything about that. Well, you could learn it by reading the book Bad Blood. Yeah. 
Uh, this is also maybe the novelization of the Taylor Swift song. Yeah. So that's all I could find for covers for a while. Okay. So, But I, I eventually found the right cover. I'm glad you did. Uh, number nine is Nanaville. This is where all our Nanas go. Oh. No. Nanaville by Anna Quindell. The Pulitzer Prize winning columnist observes the joys of being a grandmother. Hmm. Nana. I guess pass on that one. For Nana me. was the dog from Peter Pan. Yeah. Okay. I My Italian grandmother, we, we referred to her as Nana. You did? Yeah. Okay. Did. Do. Oh, she's still... Yeah. Still with us. Yeah. Hi, Nana. She's going to be at your funeral. She listens <laughs> with a meatball in her hand. Eat. Yeah. Well, that's not too far from the truth. Okay. I, I have <laughs> tried to turn away so many chicken parm subs Couldn't from her. Couldn't do it. Yeah. It's it's impossible. Wow. You... Well... I Saying, I'm her. full is not an option. What do you have to say? You, you just either have to you eat... You just keep eating it or you walk up Put it door. on your sibling's plate yeah. or say, I'll take it to go. Ah. Oh. And that's the best... You can do a very clever so, deception. Yeah, there have been many, ah, la, la. many um, moments where I've pushed the food over to my sister's plate and been like, "Aaron, Aaron Henderson finished it." And if she threatens to tell my nana that yeah. I put my food on her plate, I'll say, "Hmm, does Nana know about your tattoo?" Oh, and then it's all quiet. Then it's on. <laughs> yeah. Do we look crazy in this? Uh, is it because we're so low on the floor? Well, we're we're kind of sitting on the floor, like to uh, each his own. We're, we're having, like, a slumber party. Yeah. And we're talking about uh, which boys are super dumb. Slumber party podcast. Yeah. Did so. you prank call at slumber parties? Did you ever, like, call girls and stuff? No, but one time I was at my friend's house, and they called a girl I liked and told Ooh. her that I liked her. Yowza. But it was on her answering machine. One time it was my friend's older sister's birthday, and mm-hmm. he got to have a friend come over. Mm. And so he invited me, okay. and then he got in trouble for doing something, and his parents made him go to his room, and I stayed with the girls. <laughs> wow all right with apologies to dan manson <laughs> uh, i'm trying look can i read the second yes, one please i would <laughs> love it if you would this is book eight shortest way home by peter uh but a gag a buddhajedge yeah oh, okay yep uh memoir by current mayor of south bend indianapolis and the first openly gay democrat candidate to run for president of the united states yep but number seven is the matriarch by susan page a biography of the former first lady Barbara Bush, based on interviews and her private diaries. Ooh, oh, jeez. Look out. Yeah, be careful with those. So. Yeah. That Dan Quayle is so perfect today. <laughs> Just in time uh, for Mother's Day. You have this uh, as a Mother's Day read. Yeah. Maybe you should talk to somebody by Lori uh, Gottlieb. A psychotherapist gains unexpected insights when she becomes another therapist patient. That Whoa. also sounds like a thriller. It does sound like a thriller. So I would prefer yeah. that, I think, yeah. over this one. Right. So... This one's just going to learn that she has mother issues. The other yeah. one's like, wait, I murdered mother? <laughs> That'd be a good title. I murdered mother? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Number five, Life Will Be the Death of Me by Chelsea Handler. Handler? Handler. The comedian chronicles going into therapy and becoming an advocate for change. So, I've been doing that for my whole life. I guess so. Nobody's ever given me a book deal. Well, let me give it a try. Um, too good for a book deal? No, I'm not too good for a book deal. Okay. Uh, the Moment of Lift. Two weeks on this list at number four, Melinda Gates. Oh, is this Bill Gates' wife? Yes. Yes. Yeah. They they lead the Gates Foundation together. She was actually the guest at the ALA conference this past year. She does a lot of great stuff. Were we there? We were, but we didn't go to that session. It what? was it was sold out. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, the philanthropist shares stories of empowering women to improve society. Uh, number three, The Second Mountain by David Brooks, a New York Times op-ed. Is that what you say? Yeah. Oh, op-ed? Yeah. O-P-ed? Op-ed. Op-ed. Yeah. Columnist uh, espouses having an outward focus to attain a meaningful life. 
mm. none of that really meant anything to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, number two. Oh, this has been here forever. Educated. It's been here for 63 yeah. weeks. Yeah. Is that Tara Westover? Yeah. So, wow. Tara Westover, the daughter yeah. of her survivalist, leaves home for university and becomes the movie Hana. Really? <laughs> what a twist. Yeah. We actually She's, bought... Nobody becomes the movie Hana. Okay. I bought the audiobook for this as well because it's been very popular. So we have it in audio and hardcover. And, oh, yeah. You got there first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then number one is Becoming by Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. Boy, you know what? This is uh, this is breaking our system because it's on Overdrive or Libby where you can get audiobooks and ebooks at your convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many holds on it. There are so many holds on it. Right. It kind of maxes out. It tells you the wait time on Overdrive, mm-hmm. and it'll be like about six months. But mm-hmm. this is just like more than six months because there's like hundreds of holds on it. Nice. That's all. It's the cool. end of story. Well, Becoming by Michelle Obama, the former first lady describes how she balanced work, family, and her husband's political ascent. Mm-hmm. I almost read political accent, and mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder what that is. His political accent. Yeah. Hmm. What a political accent is. JFK had one. No, I think he just had a Boston accent. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes more sense. That I don't think he sense. got that from politics. From politics, sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Did sure, Bobby sure. Kennedy have the same accent? Yeah, but he was also in politics. Oh, okay, okay. there we yeah, go. Yeah. yeah. What What does Jackie Kennedy sound like? She had a. Did she have a Boston accent? Hers was, she, no, she had like a more upper crusty oh, kind of okay. accent. Yeah. Sure. So, are you saying the Boston accent is a, not an upper crust accent? Hold on, I have to take a call. <laughs> what? Hello. <laughs> Um, all right, well, that's the hardcover nonfiction. Well, it was underwhelming. Really? Yeah. But it's all full of first ladies and... Yeah, you're right. Uh, right. people going to therapy? It was full of therapy and first ladies. Yeah. Uh, I will remind our listeners that the Nebula Awards will be announced soon. How soon? uh, Sorry. In the coming weeks. (laughs) I just put you on. In the the coming weeks. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks. So take a look at that over at the Nebula's website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have all the short stories that I keep meaning to like sit down and read through. And wow, do I have that too? You, you do. That. I did send it to you. Yeah. Shoot. A lot of the short stories nominated for the Nebula are also on the Hugo list. So Ooh. two birds with one stone on that. But that'll be coming up. We'll be talking about that in the coming weeks. Woo! So keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Is it spotlight time? Are you ready? Yeah. Which song do we use for this one? Hmm. For book spotlight. I don't think I we, we have, don't really one. have one. So no, we don't. Sorry. You want list, you, uh, your guitar is right there. I you think want it's out of tune at the moment. Do you want to play something for us? I could just hum something. Do and it. You can yeah. Sing it. Hum I'll it. Just do a tune. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. It's a book spotlight. It's a book spotlight. It's a book spotlight. Book spotlight. That was a little bit of author spotlight. That was a little bit of author spotlight. Ben is alive and well in this. Okay. Well, folks, as we mentioned at the top of the show, our topic. For this week, mm-hmm. it's going to be L. Ron Hubbard's magnum opus. His... Is it? Not the one that founded a religion? I think that, no, I think like novel-wise, this is the one. He <laughs> yeah. does have a 10-volume sci-fi series oh gosh, from like yeah. the 50s, yeah. and he hadn't written sci-fi in a really long time when he wrote Battlefield Earth. But right. uh, anyway, we're going to be talking about Battlefield Earth. Yeah. Battlefield Earth, which has a pretty negative reputation mm-hmm. these days, mm-hmm. I would say. Yes. Uh, due in large part because of the movie, the John be my Travolta guess. film. The John Travolta film. Uh, what do you got? Tell me a little bit about the creation of the creation. Well, just you know. Mm-hmm. Well, g- like give me Nick some said, response. This is, that sort this of thing. is 1982. Uh, the full title is Battlefield Earth: A Saga of the Year 3000. And boy, is it! Mm-hmm. Um, now, this there is politics around this, as you would imagine. Yeah. But this is not the foundation of those politics, and we probably won't talk too much about those. Yes. Um, the book was reissued in 2000 with a new cover, 
in connection with the release of the film adaptation, yes. which they probably regretted printing those. I think. Uh, I think so. Those yeah. real quick. However, uh, according to Nielsen Bookscan, Battlefield. Battlefield Earth sold 29,000 copies between 2001 and 2005. Yeah. So either uh, a certain group was buying 30,000 copies to up the game or and keep it on the list, which is a theory people have, mm-hmm. or it was just weirdly popular at that well, time. Well, did you do you have some contemporary reviews in front of you there? Because well, I can tell you at the time it received mostly negative reviews. Okay. The book, uh, let's see, so The econ- Economist called Battlefield Earth an unsubtle saga, atrociously written, windy, and out of control. Hmm. Um, Analog, the science fiction magazine, criticizes a wish-fulfillment fantasy who's wholly populated by the most one-dimensional of cardboard characters. And then you have some praises. uh, Magazine of fantasy and sci-fi says, rather good, fast-paced, often fascinating sci-fi adventure yarn. But the positive reviews are current, I guess, the, the big ones. I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah, uh, so Neil Gaiman, right here, right now, we've got... A, oh, here he is. I so like he, he turned says, into Ed Sullivan. He was in, right here, in the magazine. Right yeah, I know. Um, in Image magazine, he said, for value for money, I have to recommend L. Ron Hubbard's Massive Battlefield Earth. Over a thousand pages of thrills, spills, vicious aliens, noble humans, is mankind an endangered species? Will handsome and heroic Johnny Goodboy Tyler win Earth back from the nine-foot-tall psych... Co- Cyclos. Cyclos. A tribute to the days of pulp. I found it unputdownable and all for two ninety five. Yeah. Uh, Frederick Pohl says I read Battlefield Earth straight through in one sitting. Oh my gosh. Although it's immense. No, you didn't. Fascinated no, you didn't. It. Can I just say? Kevin J. Anderson. He writes a lot of Star Wars and yeah, Star Trek. He does. He doesn't write Star Trek, but he writes a lot of okay. Star Wars. Um, says Battlefield Earth is like a twelve hour Indiana Jones marathon, nonstop and fast paced. Every chapter has a big bang adventure. And then you also have uh Robert Hyland saying Battlefield Earth is a terrific story. The carefully and underplayed comedy I found delicious, a masterpiece. Yeah. And Robert Robert Hyland of Starship Troopers yeah. and many other things. Yeah. Brandon Sanderson, who's a big name in fantasy uh, these days, says pulse-pounding mile-a-minute sci-fi action adventure that does not stop. It is a masterpiece of popular adventure science fiction. So, uh, Brandon Sanderson loves his world building. Mm -hmm. Is that why you think he likes this? I mean, a thousand pages, you better have some world building. Well, okay, look, let let me just preface this by saying I, I... For us to have this discussion, I'm going to need to spoil this book. I think, but just some of the things I'm going to have to spoil so that we can talk about it. All right. Mm -hmm. But, but here's the thing. I don't, I don't think it's that there's a ton of, of world building in it. What I think, somebody said something about Indiana Jones Mm -hmm. and I don't think Indiana Jones is a perfect. That uh, was Kevin J. Anderson. Okay. I don't think it's a perfect analogy for it, but when you look at what the spirit of Indiana Jones is, like trying to go for that pulpy like high adventure almost over the top kind of feel right like of an old serial it does have that it definitely has that um to the criticisms that it's poorly written i think that's fair Mm -hmm. you know i don't think you would go away from that and be like wow that was really (laughs) a well-crafted story but Mm -hmm. like it works you know what i mean like if you're ready to just like go for the ride it works Mm -hmm. um so let's talk a little bit about the plot first of all (laughs) the movie which is universally panned hated yes. i think everybody but john travolta and maybe kelly preston hate this movie mm-hmm. um and that i think has really like killed any resurgence in the book because yeah. i'll tell you also the novel of uh, son of the mask son of the, the same, mask same son thing. of the mask had the same deal yeah as i was reading this book and there were a thousand pages <laughs> yep. as i was reading this book i kept thinking like 
if somebody mm-hmm. put a budget behind this mm-hmm. and made like a multi-season or even just oh I, okay like it's never gonna happen right. but if they made like a multi-season show or even like you know an eight episode miniseries or something mm-hmm. you could do it i mean there is a lot here because <laughs> i disagree with the wooden characters because i think while they are um the character's kind of fit into archetypes mm-hmm. they also subvert that a little bit in some in some sort of clever ways right so i was i was never bored i was right. impatient at okay. times uh the movie covers probably the first 500 pages 400 pages of the book now so like if you've seen the movie or what you know of the movie you mm-hmm. can kiss that all goodbye right. like about page 450 or mm-hmm. so um, and the second half plus of the book deals with an entirely different uh, paradigm. Right. So let me give you a broad overview of the plot. Okay. All right. Everybody just settle in. All right. It's a thousand pages. <laughs> and, and this, Keep in mind, this Nick is going to take a minute. The book Dune, which is yeah. also like a thousand pages. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Here's why I, and I won't say hate. Mm-hmm. Dune is not for me. Right. Okay. Dune Every five seconds, you have to look to the glossary and be like, mm. what's a Flursmack? Yeah. Because there's a lot of Flursmacks in this scene. Yeah. I don't know what they are. This... You have to use your Flursmack at least twice a day, otherwise you're going to get captured. Well, I know that now because I looked at the glossary. But this is set on Earth uh-huh. a thousand years from now. So yeah. there's a lot of things that you're already kind of like, okay, I know what, what a stapler is, you know. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of that. Um, and it's very narrow for the first half. You have a very few primary characters. Mm-hmm. And so it really takes you through like following just Johnny's journey. All right. right? So the movie's only the first half. They were planning to make a second half, um, and they never did because obviously it tanked big time. Uh, and it makes sense to me that they stopped where they did because I honestly don't know what you do with the second half. But here we go. Uh, you have the Cyclos. Turl is the is the main character, Turl, yeah. and Turl is on Earth, and he's basically like a low level administrator, mm-hmm. kind of wor- working under like a local governor. Um, basically overseeing the strip mining essentially of earth okay yeah. so like earth has been destroyed like tigers i there was no tigers in the book oh earth no. has been destroyed there's uh really to to oh that was stripe mining yeah <laughs> from the cyclo standpoint mm-hmm. if there are people left there's so few that it's not an issue right, right? so turl is up here He's, and he's got a bad attitude. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't really like his bosses. He doesn't really like his job. But he's working... <laughs> I know. I know. But he's working on a plan oh. to basically embezzle. Because... What? Yes. When the Cyclos die, uh-huh. they have to send the bodies back. All right? Okay. And so they send them back in a coffin. Right. So Turl's plan, in a nutshell, there's a lot more to it, is to do his job while also pocketing lots of gold, mm-hmm. sticking it in coffins and then going back to his home planet digging the coffins up and grave robbing his dead friends what yeah all right so this is what turl's up to right so that's all going on mm-hmm. over in like you know their base on earth and they can't breathe on earth so they have special like apparatuses which is what yeah, you see john Tra- which you cover. see travolta wearing all these things so that's happening one way. All okay. right. Jump to a little village. All right. Mm-hmm. With a guy burying his father. Oh. And it's a small village. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Goodboy Tyler, his real name, uh, oh. is our hero. Okay. His father's just died. Johnny is not content staying in his village. And they're all kind of like, well, you know, life sucks, but we're just going to see it through. Mm-hmm. Nothing else is out there. This is it. Right. Our village is the only place where life is. You can't go anywhere else. Meanwhile, they're all sterile. 
They're not having kids anymore. Oh, no. They're not in bad health, but they're dying off, yeah. you know. And Johnny had always wanted to go, but his dad was like, no. Dad dies. Johnny's like, screw it. I'm going to go out and explore this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, his girlfriend, Chrissy, mm-hmm. is like... So he's Johnny Goodboy. Yeah. And his girlfriend is Chrissy. Yeah. And this is the year 3000. Year 3000. Okay. So Chrissy uh, is like, don't leave. And Johnny's like, I have to. And she's like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But if you go, I will come after you in one year. And he was like, don't do it. And she's like, I'm going to do it. And he's like, please don't. She's like, I will. Mm. So Johnny saddles up Windsplitter, mm-hmm. his horse, and heads out. Okay. And he's he, they're in like a valley. So he's trying to get over the hill and see what else is going on. Mm-hmm. So Johnny sets off on his own, right? Right. And he's going along, trot, 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 you know. Okay. And here we have no context of where we are, or really like what time it is, what part of the yeah. world they're in. He's going along. And he falls through glass. Oh, no. And he doesn't understand what glass is. Right. Doesn't understand how he's, like, inside a room. Mm-hmm. And he's looking all around. He's like, what is this? And then he starts to see, like, remnants of society. Mm-hmm. And he'd always been told everybody like in his cooker? village. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Everybody in his village had been mm-hmm. told, like, that's it. There's, there was never, this is it. And mm-hmm. so when he's finding that society used to creep out beyond that, he's intrigued. Mm-hmm. So he keeps going, and he finds a city. Uh, so he's looking in the city. He finds a library. Libraries uh-huh. are very key in this. That's good. And finds, like, he's kind of putting together language based on what he knows and what's in the books. <laughs> and he's starting to kind of, like, see right. this. Meanwhile, Turl, monitoring the city, is like, what's that? Right? <laughs> Pointing at Johnny Goodboy. Pointing at Johnny Goodboy Tyler. Mm-hmm. Tyler is his last name. Johnny Goodboy Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> so Turl is like, oh, well, Papa Turl need some of this action. So he goes down, mm-hmm. captures Johnny easily, right? Right, sure. So then Johnny is Turl's captive. Mm. And here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The right. Cyclos are trying to use some of what's left on Earth to do what they need to do. But mm-hmm. they can't breathe on Earth. It's very cumbersome. It's difficult. So Turl gets this idea that if he keeps Johnny, he can have Johnny do the difficult stuff, right? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So meanwhile... Johnny is there, and he because he has to learn how to use the devices and things, he gets all this access where he, he understands the language, they can communicate, he understands the context of like the world and what happened, so he needs this information, mm-hmm. so that encourages him to stay. Right, with like Turl. Tarzan. Yeah, basically. Or, or Ariel of the Mermaid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he decides that like he's going to stay, mm-hmm. so Turl continues to manipulate him. They hate each other, but they mm-hmm. both sort of like need each other. Right. Meanwhile, Turl gets some leverage on his boss, oh. and is like, look, I could turn you in, you'd be killed, and you'd lose everything, but uh-huh. I'm not going to. Right. So you can keep your job, mm-hmm. but you have no power. I have all the power now. Okay. Okay. Questions? It just sounds like Turl is working in like a 1950s advertising agency. Yeah. Embezzling, blackmailing yeah. his boss with yeah. pictures. You're right. Just... I, I can't fault you. You're right. <laughs> All right. So then, uh, so Johnny works his way up. So he's learning how to fly. He's using these old techniques. Learning how to fly a like ship. A, like a plane. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He can fly their ships. He can fly Earth ships. Mm-hmm. He's getting all this information, right? And so Turl's kind of like, this is not good. He's getting He's too, much. too much. Sure. I need to rein this in, yeah. right? And so, meanwhile, Turl's monitoring the village. A year has passed. Uh-oh. Chrissy sets out. Chrissy Snow from Three's Company goes yes. looking for Johnny. Johnny, <gasps> meanwhile. John Ritter. Good I know. boy. <laughs> Johnny, meanwhile, has made friends with Kerr. Right. Who is a cyclo. Is Johnny, meanwhile, his brother? No. <laughs> who is Johnny's size. Right. And he's kind of ostracized for being small. And so they kind of work up a friendship. And Johnny's, Johnny's small. No, no. Kerr, I think it's Kerr, is Johnny's size. 
He's an, he's one of the cyclos. Yes, but he's small. Hu- he's okay. human sized, right? All right. So Turl uh, <laughs> kind of sees that this is happening. Uh-huh. Johnny buys a gun from Kerr, or he thinks mm-hmm. he does. Right. And he goes to this library where mm-hmm. Chrissy is because Turl set this up. Right. He pulls the gun on Turl. He's like, uh-huh. I'm going to kill you. And Turl's like, no, because I gave you the gun. This is a trap. Mm-hmm. You've been trapped. Oh, man. So he takes Chrissy and her little sister and mm-hmm. puts uh, exploding collars on them. Oh, And boy. is basically like, all right, Johnny, go out into the world. But if you're not back every day by this time, if you go too far, boom, they dead. Mm-hmm. All right. So now he's got his leverage back. Right. They need more people. Meanwhile... Uh, Turl's sleeping with his secretary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That happens. Is this true? Uh, yeah. Oh anyway, gosh. so uh, so they need more people. Why are you always they on need more, Earth so long? Oh, they need more hours. <laughs> so Turl's like, we gotta find civilization. We gotta find a pocket of civilization. Uh-huh. And so in Scotland, there's a whole... <laughs> yes. There's a whole tribe. And so Johnny's like, let me go talk to the people first. And then mm-hmm. he does the classic, like, I'm Johnny Goodboy Tyler. Mm-hmm. There's a big jerk of a monster up there. Everybody <laughs> pretend like they're scared of him. Right. And together, we're going to turn the tables on these people. And the Scots are like, sweet. You know, they rechristen him Johnny Mac Tyler. And they call him Mac Tyler for the rest of the book. Okay. So Robert the Fox is kind of the leader of the Scots. Robert the Fox. Yes. So he and Johnny kind of form this coalition with the other Scots. Mm-hmm. And is everybody someone the something... No. Okay. Anyway, Robert the Fox and Johnny become partners. <laughs> right. Uh, the Chrissy is, and her sister are trapped in the cage. Spoil this for me now. Yes. Is okay. he Johnny Goodboy because somebody finds like a tape of Johnny Be Good? There's no. Re- there's no reason. Okay. So okay. Johnny Be Good does not play it does into not Johnny play into Goodboy. It. It does not play into it. Okay. So uh, all right, skipping ahead a little bit. Basically, <laughs> the Johnny and the Scots find an abandoned military Johnny. base which was sealed right. when the devastation happened. So yeah. everything inside is still okay because it hasn't had oxygen or anything mm-hmm. to it. It's been preserved. So they're like, sweet. Now we can turn the tables, right? Uh huh. And so, lots and lots and lots of stuff happens. And here's why maybe I will not spoil it. Okay. But, the tables turn. Okay. And Johnny and the humans Mm -hmm. are basically in power. And you learn that maybe the Cyclos don't have it as together as they claim and maybe you their home do. planet is not that it's great. It's always a facade, but then like as soon as your dad dies, you realize you never really talk to him enough right. and yeah. you just you just don't have it together yeah. at all. Yeah. You go out and chop wood. Meanwhile, your wife is like, "Do you want to talk to your mom?" and you just you just chop wood for like an hour. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> so anyway, that's the end of what the movie covers. That's the end of book 1. Pretty much. Okay. It's never it's never spelled out as book 1. Now here's what happens, okay? Okay. Uh cyclos are kind of out of the picture. You have the ones who are still on the planets. Um and again, I'm cutting some things out so there's still mystery so it doesn't Okay, happen. yeah. Um but <laughs> what happens is the humans kind of come together and Johnny doesn't want to be like the king of earth. You know sure. what I mean? He wants to it's go a lot out of work. Yeah. He wants to go out and basically like keep adventuring. Yeah. Uh, so Who he's doing it? that. So are there animals this still guy around? named Brown? Yeah, there's still animals. So like, if he goes out and explores, is there going to be a bear? Or yeah, is he it might like find... a mutant. No, 3, he might find a bear. He okay. might find a bear. So Johnny goes out and is kind of exploring, and he's with the Scots and everything, and they're going around. Right. Meanwhile, Brown goes and uh, Brown Limper is his name. Okay. Uh, pretty much becomes. He, he sneakily and quickly consolidates power. Sure, good. And kind of creates yeah. like a government and is basically like, hey, I'm the president of Earth. Okay. Right? Meanwhile, the rest of the world is sort of like, oh, things are going on in Earth. And then this bank. Okay. Did you lose? Did I lose you? No, I'm This I, you bank. Said the bank. Which holds the mortgage on Earth. Okay, so it's a space bank. It's a space bank okay. that owns Earth. 
Are you sure this isn't uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy at this point? I'm not positive. Is Earth ready for demolition to make way for a space web? Basically, they're trying to get... Brown... (laughs) Johnny's out doing his thing. They're going to foreclose on Earth. Yes! (laughs) Brown wants to buy the planet back, right? Sure. So they have to take over the loan that the Cyclos had out. Right, but you need... So Turl, who's depowered, is like, okay, I'll help you. Here's a contract that he made. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) So he goes. What and do they put up for collateral? Just you gold. Have, just you all their gold. All of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> gold. Gold. That's what they want. So the space bank takes gold. Still cares about gold. They want gold. Yes. So Turl's like, yeah, but I'll help you. There's enough gold on Earth to fight back a mortgage it, in space it, a on space the planet. Mortgage. Yes. And so Brown comes up with this plan to buy Earth back from Turl, which is total crap. Turl's just taking the money, and he's going to ride a coffin out of here, okay? <laughs> Meanwhile, they've decided to make currency, and they put Johnny's picture on it so that people will be like, oh, Johnny, we Paper know him. Paper currency. Yes. For Earth Paper, or for space For things? Earth. <laughs> and so Johnny's picture's on the currency, and then finally he sees it, and he's Hold like, on, what the heck? We have enough gold yes. to offer it up as collateral well, it's to not, a space bank. It's not enough gold. And yet... We're still deciding to use paper, paper money, metaphorical money. Yes, so that they can control it. All right. So Johnny starts to get a whiff of like this political stuff is happening. Meanwhile, Brown and Turl kind of form a little alliance because they need each other, and Johnny's mm-hmm. not having it. The Scots are still loyal to Johnny, but now there's basically like kind of a civil war between right. like the gross politicians of Earth, sure, and Johnny and like the good people. Right. Meanwhile, New Mexico is be being sued for having a monopoly yeah. on banana farms. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and so then there's this whole thing, like at least 100 pages on space banking. All right. Okay. And it becomes a big thing that's like, who owns Earth? Right. And they can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. This is where things kind of go off the rails. And you're like, let's... This is where things go <laughs> off the rails. You're like, let's just establish that this is... Right. Let's just establish what Johnny Goodboy is out in the is. wilderness. Tries to use his debit card, pretty much. <laughs> and they're like, so, "Oh, sorry, sir. It's not. It's not. Try the chip." So Earth gets to Earth. Basically, gets a free and clear title, and then wow. somebody has to just like buy it mm-hmm. from the bank. And there's enough gold on Earth to, to do buy this. Earth. And so it, there's enough gold on Earth to, to buy, buy Earth. Earth. Yes, you got it. You got it. <laughs> And so basically, that's kind of where things are going. Mm-hmm. Johnny has kids, but he's not happy. And so sure. he just kind of... He wants to be an adventurer. Now he's tied down. He just down. kind of vanishes. And mm-hmm. there's stories of Johnny's adventures that continue on. Mm-hmm. Battlefield Earth. Well, Did you like it? <laughs> I mean, I What'd was... What did you think? I was in. Were you transfixed? Was, yeah, it seemed like every every moment, yeah, there yeah. was something. This is what I'm saying. So This is what I'm saying about this book. The it's, moon fires a cl- files a class action yeah, lawsuit yeah. on uh, Brazil. It's It becomes pretty nonsensical, but even in the parts where they're just talking about, like, well, who owns Earth? And how are we going to finance Earth? Right. It's still yeah. kind of interesting. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge sci-fi reader, mm-hmm. but I read this whole I thing. I like how I asked you about... If it has world building, yeah, and you said not really, yeah, and then you just talked about how there's hundreds of pages on space banks, yeah, okay. and all. you're right. <laughs> I guess you're right. That is there. that's world building. I, I guess guess. it's confusing because yeah. it's Earth and they're picking up the pieces of right. Earth yeah. and using that going forward. Yeah. So look, I recommend this book. Mm-hmm. I think that you would dig it. I think a lot of people out there would like it. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of like talk about its connections to Scientology because of L. Ron Hubbard, I assume. Mm-hmm. The you only, assume? Yeah, but I mean, like within the book, the only thing I could pick up was their utter disdain for psychology, which is like a well-known mm. Scientology uh, view. But other than that, I, it didn't. 
I didn't I didn't pick up on anything, and it certainly didn't like change my feelings about the book, which I just took solely as like, mm-hmm. here's a sci-fi book from the eighties, you mm-hmm. know. So I think if you can divorce yourself from the reputation that it has because of the movie, mm-hmm. and if you're not freaked out by the page count, mm-hmm. I think it's a good story. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth reading. All right. You did read it. I know. Nobody told you to. I know. Nobody I know. made you. Should we talk about why? Okay. All right. I, I, I've, I don't want to use this podcast as a platform no, for extra No, I know. I read Battlefield Earth. But you did read Battlefield Earth. Yeah. So I have started a uh, a podcast network yeah. uh, called Radio Meanwhile, and you can find that at radiomeanwhile.com. Yeah. And one of the podcasts we have on there is called Three Nice Things. And basically, we watch movies with bad reputations, and then we are forced to come up with three nice things to say about that movie. Yes. So Nick is going to be on, along with uh, Crystal Storm, who, um, sci-fi author. Yeah. Uh, So the three of us are going to watch Battlefield Earth, the movie, and then come together, and then we all have to come up with three nice things to say about this terrible movie, which I I think, last I checked, had a 3% by critics. That is rough. Yes. Well, uh, this will be my debut. On your oh, Radio Meanwhile nice network yes. on anything. Yeah. Uh, Eric asked me to do this one because of my love for John Travolta, it, which I, I... I provided a list I of fully four claim. movies, yeah. and you suggested uh, Battlefield Earth because Travolta... Because Travolta. It, for you, specifically, yeah. yeah. And then so then I was like, ha wouldn't it be funny if I read Battlefield Earth? And Eric was like, please don't do that. It's <laughs> like, don't do that. No and, one's asking you to yeah. do that. No one and wants you, you to do that. But you know what? You did it. I read Battlefield yeah. Earth. So you can consider this part one part of one. our conversation <laughs> yep. on Battlefield Earth. Yeah, we're going to continue uh, over on three uh, nice things, three nice things yep. which you can find just anywhere, right? Yeah, it's on search three nice things. Okay, so, so we're going to record that episode this mm-hmm. weekend. That's going to come out what next week as we record. That's going to come out next Monday, whatever so, that is. So uh, we're going to talk all about the movie, and mm-hmm. I'm going to talk a little bit about the comparison between the book Nick will be the only one on the show who can talk about that and I'm kind of curious how me having read and enjoyed the book is going to affect my viewing of the movie because you're the only one whose nice things are going to be well it was pretty accurate to the book that's true (laughs) because here's the thing sometimes when you like the book and you watch the movie you just spend the whole time being like well that's not like it well that's Mm -hmm. not like it but it could be like because I understand the full context, things might happen that I yeah. will understand yeah. that you and Crystal Storm won't. That's true. You know what I mean? So that's true. Anyway, so yeah. thanks for listening to part one of Battlefield Earth. Yeah. We're going to be talking about the movie over on Radio. Meanwhile, three nice things. Yeah. Uh, so I hope you can tune in for that yeah. as well. Any questions about Battlefield Earth, Eric? Anything I can answer for you? Uh, do, do you imagine it's going to fit into a two-hour movie? In the well, year 2000, well. It's only the first, uh, it's only the first mm-hmm. half. Yeah. And I, I kind of wish that it had a more distinct, like, end of book one. Mm-hmm. Some some books do that, okay. actually. Like, I think that no. I think that pacing-wise, it would have yeah. been nice to sort of be like, you've completed this, right. now move on. Yeah. So, Did honestly, you know? I, think that, I think what's in those first 400 pages mm-hmm. would make a really compelling story. Right. So I think it's certainly possible, but I think Did you listen to history. Space Jazz, the soundtrack of the book, Battlefield Earth, you know what? which was created by the author. If I had known that that was a thing, mm-hmm. you can bet I would have listened he to it. He called it Space Jazz. Yeah. And then later on, they're like, we'll just call it the soundtrack to Battlefield. Earth. That's better. Yeah, that I don't better. know why they didn't do yeah, that. It is available. It's out there. I haven't yeah. listened to it. Apparently, though, it is it is a jazz album. Yeah. Does that make sense to you, having read the book, that this book would have a jazz-themed soundtrack? <laughs> no, I, no <laughs> okay. I don't really see that. I don't right. see that at all. 
Well, what I will say about the characters, and mm-hmm. really, um, there's a lot of supporting characters, but your main characters are Turl and Johnny. Mm-hmm. I think that they are both actually very good characters. Mm-hmm. Turl, Turl is a villain, and he's kind of a stereotypical like mustache twirling, like evil for evil's sake. Sure, but he sounds like the bad guy from the Flintstones movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, like, he's not an idiot, which is right. what makes him different. Like, he mm. understands. That like he needs to use Johnny. He mm-hmm. he understands that he's got to give Johnny just enough freedom yeah. to make it work. You oh, know, yeah. so I think because of that, it actually it makes their dynamic um, just really compelling to yeah. read because they hate each other. Right. They need each other, and they're mm-hmm. constantly trying to give the other one enough yeah. to keep them on the hook. I'm sure the movie will neither have one that of them. Subtlety. Yeah, neither one of them can just walk away. Mm-hmm. You know. So I mean, for me. That that kept me going. Okay. That kept me going. Even right. with even with some of the sections that drag and really it wasn't until the second half and all the banking where I felt like, okay, I'm ready for this to move a little bit. Alright. First probably seven hundred pages, I was never impatient, which is, <laughs> which says a lot. But all right. Anyway. That was Nick's review and summary of the book Battlefield Earth. Yeah. Part which one, I guess. Words I thought you'd yes. never say. Yeah. But here and we then, have said it. And then we'll be over it. Three nice things to talk about. I'm excited. Yeah. I don't want to watch this movie. But I am yeah. excited to talk about it. You know what happens? I get excited to watch these movies because yeah. I think this will be fun. Yeah. But then I remember while watching the movie, these movies are bad, they're just bad. because they're not fun. Right. That's why people hate them. Yeah. If they were fun, they would have a better reputation. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, I'll be right back. Okay. Because I got something that's been requested of us. Oh, okay. So hang out here and vamp for a second. I certainly will. Well, I can tell you about library news that we have coming up. The Sci-Fi Book Club is currently reading William Gibson's Neuromancer, which I've never read. Uh, Eric read it quite a while ago and didn't like it, uh, so we're doing that this time. We're, so we're going to read that. That's the end of the month of May. After that, we're going to start James S.A. Corey's Leviathan Wakes, the first in the Expanse series. So uh, that's a book that I've always wanted to read. I never have, so it's kind of nice to uh, be able to do that. So I hope you can join us for both of those uh, events. And this is... Here's your bowl and your spoon. Vitamin D milk. Yeah, my doctors always suggest I have whole milk. Wow. I mean, they also suggest that to babies. If you give this a good shake, you have butter. (laughs) That's... That's so, what you have right now. One thing Nick and I eat a lot of, yeah, uh, is and like I buy a bag and then yeah. he'll want them. Is yeah. watermelon, uh, sour patch watermelon. That's true. And oh boy, this smells. I bought us a box of sour patch kids cereal. Oh my gosh! And it has been requested by one of Let our listeners. Let me smell it. Let me smell it. Yeah, smell that box. It has been requested that we do an on an on air tasting. Can I can I point out to everyone? I was not included in this decision. I did not know this was here. Oh, I boy. did not know this so, was going to happen. If you're just listening and not watching the video that we put on YouTube, yeah, uh, they do look like little Sour Patch Kids, uh, but like kind of like Cheeto, like they're stretched out. I mean, they just they smell horrible. So like... Sour Patch Kids flavored cereal with milk. I mean, uh, one thing you don't want is. Oh my god! <laughs> it's potent. As soon as the milk it's potent. Hits, it's just. It is noxious. Wow, All it right. just smells like it All smells right. like ice cream. I'm gonna take a big bite. You gotta take a big bite. <laughs> Are you ready? It's just so many colors. Take a big bite. Okay, here we go. So gross. So gross. That was too big. It's okay. Here's the thing. It's fruity pebbles. No, not fruity it's pebbles. It's like fruit loops. It's fruit loops. Wow. But then it has a really weird aftertaste. Like a weird kind sour of... kick. I mean, exactly what you'd expect, I guess. Why are we doing this? 
Who wanted this to happen? Why am I taking a second bite? This was for Dreamy Warrior. One of our listeners oh. goes by the name of Dreamy Warrior. Hi, Dreamy Warrior. You okay? Where are you going? Yeah, I just want to get a close-up look here. Look at this. Oh. Everybody looking at this? Oh, gosh. Oh, it looks bad on the camera. Oh. So, yeah. Listeners. Wow. When you're done with the bite, your mouth is just kind of... It doesn't feel good. No. It's a bad feeling. <laughs> oh, no. I laughed. I think I got a piece of Sour Patch Kids cereal up my nose. Oh. Yeah. You know what? This... I was about to say, this is some of the worst cereal I've ever had in my life. It definitely is. I don't think I've ever had a worse cereal. Oh, my gosh. I can't do anymore. You know what? What? Third bite. Oh, boy. Well, there you go. All the books review does not give, does not approve the sour... Who is this? Post? Post. Who does Who does Fruit Loops? Post. Yeah. No, no, no. Fruity Pebbles is Post. Oh, this is bad. Fru- Fruit Loops at Kellogg's. Who? All right. Well, it's over with. We've done it. All right. That was bad. <laughs> that was bad. I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. You're you're a trooper, though. I thank you. He talked about he talked about Battlefield Earth and ate some Sour Patch water. The things I do oh. for these podcasts. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Now I'm just gonna go get some Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. Pour them in a bowl, and, and then we'll pour put some milk, milk over it and see how that works. <laughs> oh. Okay. Wow. All yeah. right. What what about library news then? I did it. I did it while you were out. Oh. Did, did... Anything you want to add? We're watching the My Hero Academia movie at Teen Night. Nice. To uh, as soon as it was added to the collection, it already had a hold, so nice. I had to put a hold on it right after that. Okay. Now it has a hold on it after that. Popular. Yeah. Well, of course, we're doing our thousand books before kindergarten. <laughs> kindergarten. I'm sorry. I'm so full of Sour Patch Kids <laughs> the cereal. Sour Patch Kids cereals messed with you, man. A thousand books before kindergarten yeah. program uh, over in the children's room, and the the focus of that is to just read books to your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, helps with uh, all sorts of vocabulary mm-hmm. and. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, I can't, I'm. Too much Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. I can't talk. It's a good program. <laughs> yeah. Helps kids. We're trying to make it real simple for you. Yeah. So I hope you can join us for it's that. It's like if somebody took the bubblegum ice cream and made it out of cardboard. This is... I need, like, a piece of pizza or something <laughs> to make this stop. Um, no, I don't... I, that's The Teen Photo Show is over. Yeah. Was that over? Thank you to yeah. all of our contestants for that. That's why I, I just... I hadn't done anything from yeah. last week. And I know. I'm pretty 50, tired. What, we had 52 entries, right? We had a lot of that's photos. That's great. Yeah. That's amazing. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. Our um, thanks to all the schools who participated, all the teens who brought their work. Yeah. That was a great show. Yeah. We had a lot of kids this... We had more kids this year coming independently yeah. in class. So that was nice, too. Yeah, that is nice. Um, yeah, well done. All right. Yeah. That's going to oh. do it for this episode. Oh. We'll see you... Well, first, join us over on uh, Three Nice Things for the Monday. conclusion of our Battlefield Earth discussion. Yeah. And we'll be right back here at the All the Books show for episode 195. We'll see you next week. Woo!